0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, We're so happy to be back with you this Friday. Say, I just wanted to make a clarification um, as I was listening to myself talk in last week's episode. I realized that there was a moment where I said that women have an elevated dignity. And I realized that I had just been talking about men's dignity. And so I have to clarify, women don't have more dignity than men. We are equal in dignity. So I'm sorry if I made it sound that way That's last week. I wanted to make sure and clarify that this week. Um, so now that we've gotten past that little hiccup, we're really excited um, about our conversation today, and we hope that you enjoy. Have a great listen. Ready, set, record. <laughs> Ashley, <laughs> I've decided oh that gosh. you have a plethora of of voices that you do like on a regular i don't know basis. if i can do it on cue but okay mm-hmm. okay um so the uh, so last night our sink overflowed <gasps> this is gonna sound because so terrible. no it's funny last night our sink overflowed which in case you're wondering our sink <gasps> has time. overflowed four times oh, four since times. we've lived here three times this month our sink has overflowed our kitchen sink has overflowed actually this time it didn't overflow It just backed up but it was almost going to overflow and we've been running back and forth scooping water this is not an april fool's joke story like that one was this is a real story it's me we were we were scooping like buckets and pots of water out of our kitchen sink and bringing them to our bathroom because our kitchen sink was literally spilling water over the sides and onto our kitchen floor and so we were scooping water anyway that was a thing that happened, and it was really gross because it was other people's like backed up water. Oh,
1: I'm like gagging thinking about this I know, again. it is. It
0: mm-hmm. was icky. It was icky.
1: Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah, okay. So the other night, our sink started kind of backing up again. It wasn't overflowing, but it started backing up. And so we called the plumber who the, this plumbing company has like become our best friends, close personal friends with us. And they sent over this guy, and it was really, he was super sweet. So nice. Greeted so me by so name. So kind. And he was Russian. He had like this Russian accent. And Ashley has a tendency to like do voices when she says things she has a bunch of them i mean my teens are
1: probably not surprised by that yeah but yes
0: you as (laughs) as you know crew kids crew kids ashley has voices that she does right and so so ashley (laughs) she goes to say something what were you gonna say very nice she goes she goes to say very good very nice and then but she starts to say it like in a russian accent which is super funny because the guy who's here is russian and so halfway through she stops i was like oh no
1: it sounds like i'm meaning something that i'm not because to be very clear since this is public it is no like it's not meant to be done no, maliciously or anything no
0: but then Just... she like realized partway through that the guy was actually russian so she goes very very good very <laughs> very very good very good and it was really funny and now our sink is not overflowing anymore
1: yep it's great so hopefully that stays that way for a long long time yeah so today we have a guest he's hiding ooh God,
0: that was such a good... <laughs> I really love that that was the first thing that they're going to hear from you on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> hey, will you introduce yourself? What are you doing in our house?
2: Social distancing, of
0: course. <laughs> Tell us your name, your occupation, and your favorite smell.
2: Hey guys, my name is Wesley. I am a friend of Lexi and Ashley, I work actually full time at 3M, which is a local company that many of you are probably familiar with. And I am an IT professional in cybersecurity. So basically, just making sure that we don't get hacked by the Chinese. Um, (laughs) 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 And my favorite smell, I would have to say, is like right after it rains, you know, when you open the window, Mm. it's just like, oh, the best smell in the world.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's not a good smell backed up water water. (laughs) seriously not it was horrible cool welcome we are like really stoked to have wesley here today um we asked him if he would come on the podcast and he was hesitant and we are not because he's really cool and he has really great things to say and he's been definitely an inspiration i think i can safely say to both of us in many ways um he's a holy man of god and he is just an all-around great person who has fun thoughts and i like having i like having deep and somewhat argumentative relationships yes. or conversations with wesley and i think it's really fun cuz he thinks deeply about life and about things and it's he's fun to talk to so we're excited well, to have him here today
2: that's very sweet <laughs> <laughs> she definitely doesn't agree with my thoughts on the monarchy though
0: no <laughs> No, we're not even gonna go into that. Oh my that. gosh. The other night Wesley comes to my house and starts talking about wanting a monarchy and I was No like, no no, I didn't oh, say I wanted one. I agree.
2: said I wasn't opposed to the idea.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. America. That's all I have to say. No, we're not going to go into that we're today. Not. Yes. We're not so why,
2: what, what did you guys want to talk about today? Why am I here? Cows. <laughs> Besides being very excited <laughs> that tell it's me, Friday.
0: Tell yeah. me your, your deepest, darkest feelings about um, farming and Cows.
2: Wow, deepest, darkest (laughs) feeling. I didn't even know that I had deep, dark feelings on farming. Apparently
0: you do. (laughs) That's why we
1: brought you here, didn't you know?
2: No, I didn't. This is a surprise. (laughs) I feel like I should have prepared better.
1: (laughs) Guys, I think quarantine's starting to get to me. Okay, so Actually, though, we did have a real topic. Unless you have thoughts about that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you
0: have (laughs) thoughts? Whoa, it's, like great.
2: it's great. It's
0: <laughs> great. Okay. Our cows destroyed the environment.
2: You guys can tell that I'm great thinking on my feet, which I am not.
1: So. <laughs> You're totally fine. I wouldn't know how to say, answer that either. Yeah. Um, no, but something that Wesley's very passionate about is um, the phrase. Well, actually I don't want to say the phrase because I'm going to say the phrase wrong, but like of like living life as a, as a person of the laity, which we're going to define in a second. Um, and like, living a life of holiness just in everyday Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. um and so that's something that wesley's very passionate about and like all of us as catholics right like ought to be passionate about that um but he has he has a lot of perspective on that and so we wanted him to share some of those things so i think maybe to start us off though let's define a few terms
0: yeah um wesley okay so we talk about the sanctification of the laity right and that's something Mm -hmm. that You have very strong feelings about and you're very passionate about. Um, What does sanctification of the laity mean?
2: Wow. Well, that's like asking, yeah, that's like asking me to describe the Trinity. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, first off, I think it's important to recognize that when we talk about the laity, like the laity is all of us it's the people who aren't priests who aren't religious it's we have
0: priests who listen to this podcast
2: yeah well so not father you guys God. you guys can tune out, out <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's all you're of not the... welcome anymore yeah
0: exactly you are father we love you okay
2: yeah, it's just basically all of those of us who live in the who live in the world who are called to work in normal jobs, raise families, and kind of support the church through those vocations and apostolates.
1: And even like as teens, like going to school, right? That would be like the equivalent of going to work.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah, that's that's huge, and I don't think that I I certainly didn't understand how important that was, not just from a practical standpoint but even just from a spiritual one when i was young
0: nice so nice, <laughs>
2: nice. so if we're talking about
0: the lady being sanctified right like mm-hmm. i think most kids know that sanctification is like holiness right becoming yep. holy yep. um so there's a saint who i think you're a particularly big fan of and a a whole thing that he founded that I think you're a particularly big fan of. So St. Jose Maria Escriva,
2: yes,
0: right? And he founded, is that the right word for it? This... he
2: was the founder. Yes. Okay. He
0: was the founder of Opus Dei. Can you tell us a little bit about him and what Opus Dei is and does?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, You guys are probably most familiar with the word Opus Dei if you've encountered it from um, Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. I will tell you right now that we don't have albino monks that are out to kill everybody.
0: (laughs) I forgot about that guy. The one who like vlogs himself with chains. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. definitely not what it actually is, but <laughs> is that's how opus most day? people well, the, in the movie, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh gosh. They were like the secret Ugh. ones who were trying to like influence and manipulate oh, the my church. Oh gosh, I didn't
0: I didn't like remember him being Opus Dei. Yeah. That's terrifying. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yep. continue. But <laughs> so not what it's we not are, bad. not what they <laughs> are. Um, I would say so like Jose Maria Escriva, he was actually a Spanish priest, so growing up in Spain, um, he was just like any other kid. He really actually wanted to be an architect. So most of his childhood was spent kind of like learning those trades and everything else. But then he he didn't know what, but he had a feeling that God was calling him to something more. So he didn't really know what this was at the time, but he decided that the best thing for him to do to be fully open and available to God was to join the priesthood. So He joined the priesthood, and he actually spent the next 10 years of his life in a period of very deep spiritual desolation. Um, And that essentially means just like a longing and an urge where you you know that there's something that you're called to do that you want to be doing, but you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So he really just struggled during that time, and then he was... Essentially, when he was riding the trolley one day in downtown, um, I actually forget the city, so I probably shouldn't have said that. Spain, but da- yeah, downtown Spain. Downtown Spain. <laughs> <laughs> downtown, downtown Spain. <laughs> when he was riding the trolley, um, he actually received uh, a vision from the Lord in in a moment that kind of showed him what the Lord wanted from him. And this vision wasn't anything extraordinary. It wasn't angels or anything, but it was a vision of like, All the world of all these different people in their ordinary lives, but as saints. So, like the mother with her kids at home, or the mother at work, um, the father, you know, doing his trade, um, students in school, like all of them as saints in their daily lives. So, that was really the birth of that vision and of what eventually became Opus Dei. Um, And then this was also around the time of the Spanish Civil War. So right kind of after that, and I don't know if you guys are that familiar with it, but essentially there was a really bad civil war in Spain where the two sides were fighting and a lot of priests were actually just murdered on the streets. So he kind of spent the next um, large number of years in hiding with the laity, kind of further developing what this idea of ordinary sanctification would really become.
0: And that was like really groundbreaking for the time, wasn't it? You know, what, when did he live? Do you remember the years? When was the Spanish Civil War? Early
2: nineteen hundreds. Early nineteen
0: hundreds. Okay, yeah. so I'm thinking of Therese, right? Because you they, don't like Therese, do you?
2: <laughs> Does she like Therese? She talks
0: about Therese on every podcast, <laughs> pretty much as much as I talk about JPT. <sighs> I'm not embarrassed. You shouldn't be. It's great. She's a good freak. Okay, so so Therese was around in like the 1800s, right? Mm -hmm, And that was really mm -hmm. when Jansenism was Mm -hmm. super a thing. And so I think that this is like right kind of around the same time. And Jansenism was this this really, really strict, it was a heresy, but it was a heresy that a lot of people were sympathetic towards and Mm -hmm. falling into, right? Um, That was basically like, you need to work your way into heaven. And mm-hmm. you, um, you're you never going to be good enough, basically, right? It was this really, it was scrupulous. It was like scrupulosity, really. Yeah. Um, and so I think that this whole kind of concept of doing everyday things with, with sanctifying your everyday was mm-hmm. like a very Theresian theme and, and very much a Jose Maria Escriva theme mm-hmm. that was kind of in in retaliation, fighting against this Jansenistic idea where it was like, you know the laity are really never going to be good enough for heaven right like yeah. it's the priesthood it's yeah. the religious who are who are really holy who mm-hmm. are really called to holiness and who are actually close to heaven mm-hmm. and so i think that jose maria escriva if i'm correct was was turning the tides a little bit and actually opus day really helped turn the tides and um, prove to people that it's not just religious who are called to be holy and who are capable of being holy
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a rich tradition in the church um, of this idea of the universal call to holiness, as JP2 would put it later, um, and of sanctifying ordinary life. But I think that, you know, over time, as the church developed, and we had the beauty that was, you know, the liturgy and the hierarchy, so the, the different levels of the church and the bishops and all this stuff, I think, you know, it's easy to see how one might fall into... Kind of looking at the beauty that's there and forgetting about like the beauty of the ordinary, um, mm. so it's I would say more than something new. It's actually a rediscovery from very mm. early in the church.
0: Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So can you talk a little bit about um, what it means to sanctify the everyday?
2: Like, oh my gosh, you guys ready that, for an hour what does long that look discussion? Like? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
0: How does how, how does Opus Dei talk about doing that?
2: Well, I think more than how Opus Dei would talk, I think it, it's it depends very much so on um, if you if you meet anybody who is you know involved with Opus Dei who has received formation or anything, you'll hear something a little bit different from everybody. Specifically, not in terms of you know doctrine or teaching or whatever, but the call to sanctify the ordinary is very unique to each one of your individual lives and the situations that you find yourselves in. It's not going to be necessarily like all doing the same thing or doing it in the same way even. It's very much so like looking at where God has placed you and what he's given you and figuring out how that all fits into your plan for holiness. So um, in many ways, it it's, I would say like a little bit of it is intentionality. So the things that you're already doing, whether it's studying, whether it's little things like washing the dishes, um, you could, you know, your parents, as an example, they make you wash the dishes. Like, that's not going to change. Like, you got to do it. (laughs) But are you going to do it, like, quickly and just kind of get it over with and move on? Or are you going to, like, take time and attention and actually make sure that when you're wiping them down, like, you get every speck of water? Like, are you entering into that activity... And offering up the the way in which you work, the intentionality that you put forward to God and for His glory.
1: And why is that so important? Like, why?
2: We need clean dishes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, like what? I guess I I think I could hear somebody saying, "Well, why does it matter? I'm getting it done just as quickly. Like, what's the point of 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 sanctifying? Like, how is that sanctifying?"
2: it's it's about an attitude that you develop in your own life and i think very much so it it it's got a number of components to it but i would also say that it's an external reflection of your internal state of life so if we bring that same attitude, like I'm just getting it done to our prayer mm. are we are we actually praying, or think about it this way to those of you who might be you know interested in a girl or a boy or something else, like dating whatever marriage maybe i don't know um, like you guys you guys, when you like this person, like you're gonna be very deeply intentional with them, like you're gonna ask about their life, you're gonna do all of these little things, and you're gonna do them with care and attention if. We had that same attitude of like, well, you know, I was here. Like, what more do you want Isn't from that me? Isn't that good <laughs> enough? Isn't that good enough? Yeah. Like, I'm sure some of you guys can already empathize with that. But <laughs> I dated just... a guy
0: like that once. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Keyword being once. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. There's a, there's a Mother Teresa quote that I think about. And she actually literally talks about washing a plate. She says, wash the plate. Not because it's dirty and mm-hmm. not because, what is it? Like, not because it's dirty, not because someone told you to, or not because it needs to be done. So that, like She goes, wash the plate because you love the person who will use it next. Mm,
2: yeah, amen.
0: And I'm like, ah, oh, doing it out of love, mm-hmm. right? Like, love for the other and love for God. And that ultimately, like, that spills over, ultimately, huh? That spills <laughs> over. That's Lexi's word. That's my word, I've realized. <laughs> that spills over into the rest of our life, I think, yeah, too, is kind of what you're amen. saying. Like, that when you bring love into the small things that you're doing, it helps it be more real in the big things
2: too. Yeah. there's So there's um, <clears throat> actually a point uh, in, so there's, there's like a little section in this book that is kind of a collection of sayings or like quotes or, you know, messages that St. Jose Josemaria um, wrote. But essentially one of those little sections talks about um, the importance of these little things in prayer. And it kind of equates it to, Like you, you're waiting for these extraordinary circumstances to be holy, like you're waiting for these big moments, but just as like an athlete prepares for the Olympics, Mm -hmm. like you need to be training for that, developing your disposition every day. Otherwise you can't tell me that when the Olympics get here in four years, you're going to be ready.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Actually, and something that you had mentioned, Wesley, before we started recording, um, was just how like the first thirty years or so of Jesus's thirty-three years on Earth were very hidden, and they mm. were very um, like Jesus shows us the way. Like he dignified all of the work that we do, yeah. right? Just the simple things, and we don't hear a lot about it in Scripture, um, mm. but it, but that's I think that's that's inspiring to us as um, as like as lady to know that like every single thing we do, like Jesus paved the way for that
2: yeah it's it's actually a really incredible thought the more that you enter into that and meditate on it um like our lord as you guys probably learn more about like theology and everything else this will become more and more apparent but the reason he becomes human is to like enter into the experience of being human and to sanctify that and to essentially raise humanity up as a result. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of follow that outwards, like our Lord Jesus didn't he like he was very intentional. God was very intentional about how he came into the world. He could have, you know, he came we we like to say like he came in, he was born in a manger and then fast forward now he's like <laughs> healing people and whatever. And like yeah. those are the important things in his life, but Everything that the Lord did while he was on earth, he raised up and he sanctified, whether that was his life and family with Mary and Joseph during those 30 years, like the little tufts they had at the table, like being a son to his mother and to his father, learning from his father, learning from Joseph, a trade. Like, he did all of this intentionally so that no part of our ordinary life would be far from sanctification. Ugh. That, that is, like, three so trials. So up. That is so
1: good. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. This is a little bit different, but something that I think about a lot, too, is I think there's a temptation to think that, like, there's this, like, cookie cutter. Like, if you want to be holy, you got to put the cookie cutter on you. Like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is what mm-hmm. it is. And yet, I think... When we look at how every aspect of our lives is meant to be, um, sanctified, like we're all doing different things. We're all like, we all have different gifts and like, that is what sanctifies our world. It's not just like be a saint and it's a cookie cutter
0: and like,
2: Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't
0: and know. I think that that's something that all three of us in particular, like we've had, I think all three of us have had this conversation at some point, at least I know I've had it with both of you at some point that it's like. You don't have to fit into a stereotype within like the Catholic culture, quote unquote. Like you oh, shouldn't. Gross. There gross. is no
2: <laughs> no stereotypes. No, no stereotypes. Culture. It's
0: <laughs> like I don't want to look at the big names. Like, uh, uh, don't say any names? No, I'm saying like the big oh. Catholic names, like uh, Emily Wilson, Jason Everett, Father Mike Schmitz. Like these big Catholic names. I think sometimes it's easy to look at them and say, okay, I have to look like that if mm. I'm gonna be holy. Yeah.
2: Amen.
0: And You, I I have seen people then try to adopt characteristics of the people who they look up to. And on some level, that could be good, right? You know, it's like, okay, I know Father Mike gets up at whatever. And prays. Five o'clock in the morning and prays and goes for a run. I'm going to do that too. That's great. But then just, it it sometimes can go too far. It's like, okay, I have to talk like him. I have to, I have to use the words that he uses. I have to be a speaker. I have to be a priest. I have, you know, it's. And it's easy to just make it into a cookie cutter, like yeah. you said, and think that that's what it has to be. Whereas Amen. I love this idea of like, I wrote it down because I don't want to forget the wording <laughs> of it. Like Jesus sanctified the experience of being human. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Um, okay. I'm going to throw this on you and I didn't tell it. you I was going to do this beforehand. Think so think on your feet. So think on your feet. Would you tell us <laughs> a little bit about your experience of realizing that you were called to holiness and what what that like, how, why does all of this mean so much to you?
2: I think, yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, to be honest, I'm still realizing that each day that I'm called to holiness cause I am definitely not perfect. I think the only difference is that I, I, I desire to be a saint, truly, and I want to make my intention every day moving forward to grow more in that direction. Um, I think it's, you know, it's pheno- a phenomenal question, um, and I'm really glad that you asked it, because I, so I wasn't always Catholic, for those of you on the phone, and on the phone, on the, phone, <laughs> the, on the podcast, on the phone. or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to start calling you guys that. People on no, the phone. People on, on the, the phone. Okay, <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, it's funny. I, so yeah, I wasn't actually always Catholic. I grew up um, pretty, so I grew up in a Lutheran household and was pretty, you know, spiritual, religious, whatever the buzzwords are that you want to use for a while in my life, Um, kind of up through, you know, middle school, high school. And I got, it wasn't so much that I didn't, you know, like, or I didn't believe it. I didn't like faith or whatever. I just didn't care. I really didn't care. Um, There were just a lot bigger and more pressing and interesting questions to me at the time. Um, And, you know, what it ultimately led to was my conversion kind of in college and becoming Catholic. And then I actually encountered um, a member of the work. So his name is uh, Father Martin Schlag. I encountered him over in Rome, of all places. And then he actually moved to Minnesota. So that was kind of a fun connection. But um, long story, very long story short, I think like what... I was prepared for is I spent I spent a lot of time in the world and even though you know maybe I wasn't living exactly the way I would have liked or any of these things I I found coming into Catholicism it to be very compelling to have this desire to retreat to you know as Lexi and um, Ashley were saying at the beginning to be a priest to be a religious Um, and I thought that you know that was kind of the only way but I still had this very deep love of everything that I learned in the secular world, mainly namely my my trade in business um as well as like the beauty that I saw there that wasn't necessarily Catholic but that was still true and beautiful and It seemed to me that there had to be some way to marry and to bring together these two ideas that you know the world is not the enemy, like there are definitely aspects in culture that are not conducive or that are not you know oriented towards living a holy life. But, you know, God's creation in and of itself is not bad. It's Mm -hmm. not evil. It's not something necessarily to fight against. So, you know, those those were two competing longings in my heart or what I thought were two competing longings, like this love of the world of, you know, being a normal person. I use normal as a joke but not uh, no <laughs> yeah, no not at all but of really yeah <laughs> <laughs> of being that that lay person so that that person who you know is going to the ball game and who honestly you know has access to minister to people that you know people in ministry priests other people would never be able to encounter so I think you know as as I came to know Opus Dei and to hear what to to actually like discover what Christ taught and what is being taught through the spirituality that Jose Maria kind of gave to the church and gave to the world, I think it was just like the most natural and beautiful fit between those two.
0: I
1: love that. I love it. One thing in particular that I think has been really helpful for me is I think that when you're when you're growing into the Catholic faith and you kind of alluded to this it can feel at first kind of like an us versus them. Like we are like good. We have the truth. And like the world out here is like Mm -hmm. gross Mm -hmm. and bad and we better alienate ourselves. And yet I think something that you're, that you're bringing up, which is so crucial to like understanding what it actually means to be holy and to be a saint is like, no, we start from the premise that all human beings are good and Mm -hmm. that all human beings are (coughs) worth investing in, in some capacity. Right. And so um,
2: including all of you guys <laughs> on the phone in phone people on the phone, in phone, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Like, and and so I think that like when you start from that premise, because I okay, what I'm trying to get at too is that mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can be afraid of like, oh my gosh, oh, if gosh, I interact yeah. with the world, I'm going to stop being holy, and yeah. like that's the opposite. Right. Like, we have to interact with the world, and I think it starts by seeing like th- it's they're not enemies. Like we're not better. Like mm-hmm. we are all on common ground here, mm-hmm. and 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 we get to interact and like bring life and see the life within them and like marry
0: that together. Yes. Like you're
2: yep. saying, I think yep. it, it kind of
0: it brings me back to. I just keep looking at the sentence that I wrote down because I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. Like Jesus <laughs> sanctified the experience of being human, and so when we mm-hmm. see people going through human experiences. We can all relate to a lot of those experiences, yeah. whether or not someone is practicing the Catholic faith, we can all relate on so many levels of just human experience mm-hmm. and that there is there is sanctity there, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Those experiences are good. They're not meant to be, you know, scoffed at because, oh, well, I have divine experiences and you don't, Right. It's like, no, the more that we find sanctity in the day in day out human experiences, the more that we can relate to everybody else in the rest of the world and show them the sanctity that Jesus has brought to humanity. You
2: know? Yeah. Amen. Yeah.
0: Okay. I want to talk about prayer. Um, because, mm. uh, yes, a big yes, part you should of do it, <laughs> no, I want you to talk about <laughs> prayer. What? No, you're saying you should pray. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, you should yeah. pray. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: not at all. Don't pray. <laughs> Great youth minister. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
0: Um, I I know that there's kind of this concept in Opus Day that it's it's good to make the day in day out things that you do a prayer. Is that? Am I saying that correctly?
2: Um, why don't you elaborate on it a little bit more, and then I'll kind of take it. Sure. There.
0: Well, I think. I think that that's kind of, there can be a discrepancy there because I know, like, I think I've talked about this before, but sometimes I hear young people say, you know, I don't really take time to pray every day, Mm
2: -hmm. but Mm
0: -hmm. I try and pray constantly throughout my day.
2: Well, my first question would be like, how truthful are you being when you say that? (laughs) Because for myself, (sighs) I could, I could easily say like, oh yeah, you know, like I was totally prayerful when I was, you know, doing my work and I was you know i just i really felt god when i was cooking dinner tonight but it's like <laughs> no you didn't stop lying <laughs> like, if you're and i think it's it like it, it goes back to that whole olympic olympics analogy from earlier don't tell me that you're able to pray in the ordinary if you're not setting aside time every day to just be with god
0: Catechism. I had right? that
1: memorized at one point, whichever number that was, but I don't
0: you know.
2: You memorized that. the catechism? The whole thing. Whoa. Yeah, that's
1: so impressive, isn't it?
2: Give that girl a pay raise. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no way.
0: No, but nah. there's There's a section, so there's a sentence in the prayer section of the catechism that says, you cannot pray at all times if you do not pray at specific times. Yeah. You actually quoted that. I was like, perfect. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's the amazing. line I have memorized. I don't know the number. <laughs> yeah. But, um... And, and so I think, though, that that can be confusing because mm-hmm. a big concept in Opus Dei and in this whole idea of Jesus sanctified humanity is that, yeah, but I am supposed to be praying always. Yes, I am supposed yes, to be praying constantly. Yes. Um, so how do we do that? Like, how do I pray always? How do I sanctify, you know, how do I enter into the sanctified human experience?
2: Well, you first, I honestly, so this is going to go in a little bit of a different direction than probably you two were being prepared for. But first you good. need, <laughs> I would say more than anything, you need to be, you need to, to want it. And I say that seriously, like if this is something that you want to do, like you have to be prepared for what it's going to take to actually realize that. And I would say, you know, talk to your youth ministers, talk to your catechists, really develop a relationship there that is going to be based in like the seriousness of this desire to develop that relationship, because you can't do this on your own. You can pray, but you need guidance in the spiritual life. You need people you can talk to and be led by and learn from who have been where you are. Um, And after that, I would say that there's a, a very big um, idea in you know the opus in opus day called the the plan of life so it's not saying like you know i'm gonna open up a google calendar and i'm gonna like mark down all my time for everything including my bathroom breaks and like when i'm gonna cook (laughs) dinner and all this but what it means is that you're you're planning out the next day to account for the things that are most important first so before you go to bed at night you think about the day tomorrow Which, you know, is probably different than the day before, and you plan out, like, when am I going to find 15 minutes, when am I going to place 15 minutes in the morning to, like, spend with God, to spend with Scripture, just in prayer and intimate conversation between the two of us? When am I going to do my rosary? And then in the evening, when am I going to go to bed? And when am I going to, you know, do the prayer, do 15 minutes of prayer at night as well? So you don't have to have the exact same schedule every day, but you plan out the following day to make sure that you get in those things that are most important.
0: That's wonderful. What would you say to people? Okay, so you're talking about you need the desire and you need to be ready to do what it's going to take. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who says like, you know what, I really want to be close to God, but... Every time that I try and plan out time for prayer or time for, you know, every time that I try and, and do the life that I know I should, I lose motivation.
2: Oh, amen. <laughs> you are so not alone. I cannot tell you how many days... I will wake up and be like, no, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> like, this is, that's what I want to do right now. It feels great. Like, let's just do it. Yeah. Um, And that's, you know, in essence, what the spiritual life is. Like, it's not saying that you're going to be perfect or you're going to do these things, you know, every single day, all the time. Like, that's the goal. That's where you get. And that's what you sincerely want to do. But I think, you know, another concept that kind of comes up is, the whole essence of the plan of life is, you know, there will be some days where you fall, where you fail, where you won't kind of complete it, but you go to bed with a sincere and resolute desire to do it tomorrow.
0: That's good. That's good. I that like that. Super
2: good. Yeah.
0: I just, I know that that's like been a definitely a struggle for me still is, mm-hmm. but I hear that from a lot of young people is, yeah. um, I just, don't do the things that I want to do. Like, isn't that Paul who says that? Why do I do 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 the things things I I don't want to do? And I Mm -hmm. don't do the things that I want to do. So I would encourage you, like be patient with yourself. And when we say you have to want it, you know, that doesn't mean you have to want it every minute of the day, all the time, because Mm -hmm. we can be patient with ourselves and, and we can be kind of on a roller coaster. God understands that we're dust. He understands our weaknesses. And um, as long as we have goodwill at the end of the day, which is the, the sincere desire, like you said, at the end of the day to to please God, he accepts our failures mm-hmm. and yeah. and helps us to steadily, slowly and steadily sanctify life. And that's the whole concept of sanctifying your life is that it's not going to happen one day automatically tomorrow. You are going to be wavering. We kind of have to expect our hearts to be wavering the whole point of sanctification is that we're trying to make our hearts more resolute and trying to love god perfectly which means that we're not going to start loving him perfectly we're going to start loving him quite mm-hmm. poorly very haphazardly yeah. and um he's patient with us and i think we have to remember to be patient with ourselves as well yeah and we
1: talked a little bit about like the specific times of prayer right that you're like mapping out like when am i going to pray But I think for me, what I've experienced, at least in terms of like, how do I live praying constantly? How do I let that sanctify my life? I think when we have those set times, it inevitably flows. Like it just, Mm -hmm. when I, when I take that time to pray, um, my heart's been raised to the Lord. So that when I do go and like get ready for the day, when I do go send those emails, when I do wash the dishes, blah, 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 like there's my heart's been raised up and yes. therefore I can see the meaning.
0: Cause the hardest part is getting there. Yeah. Right. Like, I guess, I think for me, the hardest part is turning your heart over to God once because
1: mm-hmm. once that's a good way of putting it. It really yeah, is cause...
0: because once it, so I had a professor in college and he said, no one likes to see themselves before God. Mm-hmm. And that's why people don't do it. Mm-hmm. And wow. And so when we go, and God is goodness and purity itself. And so when we put ourselves before goodness and purity itself, the, the, re, the automatic temptation is to despair. And mm, the reason yeah. that we don't pray is because I don't want to see myself in front of goodness and perfection mm-hmm. himself. Because that's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be initially pleasant. I measure up. Right? I'm not going to yeah, measure up. Yeah. And so the hardest part is doing it once. But then once you've done it once, once at the beginning of the day, you feel the compassion, yes. the tenderness, the, the mercy, mercy. Mm-hmm. and it's overwhelming. And God never fails to bring that to us. Like He, and it's never not always fails... a feeling. I think that that's important to clarify. True, true. Like, but He never fails to show us mm-hmm. His mercy and compassion. Like He never leaves us feeling unworthy in His presence ever. Right. And in even when we have extreme suffering in our lives, I don't think He ever leaves us feeling unworthy in His presence. No. And so he promises to sanctify us. And there's a peace that comes from that. But so the hardest part is doing it once. And then once you've done it once, the rest of the day flows so much easier because mm-hmm. you're not hiding. You're not, it's like Adam and Eve in the garden. You're not hiding anymore. You know, it's, you yeah. can walk with him again. And then you can sanctify the little
2: things throughout your day. Mm-hmm. And I will say too, to add on to that, I think that was just wonderfully put, um, is like, I, I think... I can probably also relate to a lot of where you guys are right now in the fact that, you know, it seems very overwhelming and the idea of like, honestly, do I even want this? Like, it seems so hard. It seems like I'm going to have to be an outcast. Like... I'm not going to be the cool one or whatever. Like, I'm going to be the weird Christian kid in the corner. who no. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, you don't, but I will say again, like, you don't have to be somebody that's not yourself. And that doesn't mean do whatever you want. It's like, you know, it's foregone. There, when I was becoming Catholic, I definitely felt very overwhelmed by the prospect. Like, I wanted to love God with all my heart, but there were just some sins in my life that I was like, well... You know, maybe I'm just gonna have to like give myself a couple sins and I'll be like <laughs> right. you know, these right. are the ones that I'll try yeah. to be I'll try to be good in all these other ways, but these are the ones I'm just gonna have to live with. Yeah. And you know what? It took a while for that to change, but what I noticed was happening in my life, kind of like Lexi said, is you know, I I took some small steps at first. Like I really, you know, just wanted to get into a little bit of prayer daily, and that could just mean you know, every morning when you get up, say in Our Father or something, don't stop there, but you can start there. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and what I noticed over time is that the more time I spent with the Lord, the more I learned, the more I developed good friendships, like supportive, encouraging friendships that could also lead me. I started having a desire to to sin less. And yeah. like these things that once seemed like they were impossible. And again, I'm not a saint yet. But these things that once seemed impossible, all of a sudden appeared to be in my grasp or like possible Mm, in front of me. So So it's normal to feel overwhelmed. It's normal to even question your desire to want it, not necessarily to want God, although you can question that, like that's pretty normal. Um, It's yeah, that's basically my point. It's very normal, but it's these small steps with a desire to get to the end of being a saint.
1: I really like that you said that. Cause I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning about like training for the Olympics. Like yeah. you don't start out by like starting with the biggest, whatever your Olympic sport is. Right. Like you start out by going for a walk and then you, uh-huh. I mean, obviously I haven't trained for Olympics. So what do I know? <laughs> but like, but yeah, like you
0: <laughs> you start out lifting five pounds. There so you like go. Someday you can lift 50. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's mm-hmm. the
1: same thing. It's like, if you're not praying right now and I know that everybody listening wants to be praying, but let's be honest, like, It's hard. It's hard. And like, so if you're not actually just had a conversation with somebody yesterday about this, they were like, Ashley, we've talked before. You said, start with 10 minutes. I'm not even doing 10 minutes. So Mm -hmm. instead I'm going to pray five Hail Marys and there's an intention attached to each one. Great. Perfect. That's an excellent way to start because... You're you're doing something and that's mm-hmm. gonna and then and then don't stop there and then once you get comfortable with that, then yeah. it's time to stretch a little bit yep. more and a little bit more and a little yep. bit more. And a lot of you guys are athletes, so you get that concept. Yeah. Like and that is
0: Isn't it true? At least I found that like the first week of your workouts is the most discouraging thing ever. And it makes you want to stop because you see other people who are doing the things that you want to do. And then you see what you can do and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed. (laughs) Like I see people who are like, okay, like the other day I was working out with Ben and when he was training us and he was like, okay, do 11 push-ups. And I was like, okay. Drop
2: down and give me 11. Great.
0: Okay. I was like, okay, great. You guys, I did one. And that was it. And I couldn't do any more. And you he thought he, thought he was going easy on me by <laughs> starting me out with 11. And I was like, shoot. Like that was so embarrassing. And it makes you want to stop because you yeah, see, like, oh, I can't you feel that. pathetic. Mm-hmm. And so then it's just like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to be good at this. Yeah. And it makes you want to stop. Anyway, same with prayer. It's like, I can't even pray for 10 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. But then, no, okay, so I'm going to start off my day by just offering my heart to God. Yeah. And that's how I'm going to start.
2: Well, and two, there's, again, whenever we talk about these approaches to prayer, it's not saying like once you get comfortable with one, you're done. No. This is a right. place to start, not to finish. 100%. Um, there's but don't be embarrassed about oh, where yeah. you're starting. Yeah, not at all. There's also an idea of aspirations, so it's it's a very interesting word. I actually hadn't heard before becoming Catholic, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the the God. whole and this is this is actually great for your ordinary life too. So what the whole idea is is finding ordinary ways to incorporate prayer into your day. So as one example, there's um, a CEO in the Twin Cities actually who what he does is. Every morning he goes into the office, he empties a box of paper clips onto his desk, and he knows that by the end of the day, those paper clips all have to be back in the box. And every time, like every time he has a moment or he remembers or whatever, he picks up a paper clip and just says his aspiration for the day, like, Lord, help me grow in faith. Lord, help me grow in faith. And just throughout his day, there's this process of doing that. And so for like you guys who are already working out, who are doing these other things, like incorporate it into your workout. So like every time you do like a pull-up or a push-up or something, have your aspiration for the day. Like, Lord, help me grow in faith. Lord, help me grow in charity. Lord, I want to be able to pray, help me. Mm -hmm. Something like that. So Mm -hmm. use your ordinary life, use the things that you're already doing to incorporate prayer and you're already beginning to sanctify the ordinary
1: that is i love so it crazy. that's a good place to end that was beautiful okay but i think that <laughs> okay, you have executive
2: decision
0: no i want to give you the chance though because you have a you have a, a person who is being beatified or canonized oh yeah that's mark, right who you want to talk about because he's super cool
2: oh well i yeah i guess he's well, not... i want you to talk. yeah about okay it. So you guys may have seen this. I don't know. I mean I definitely follow some of the Catholic publications, but I'm not expecting <laughs> that you guys do. Um so there's there's actually this Italian millennial. So hopefully you guys kinda of perk up at that, but his name is <laughs> Matteo Farini. And he oh, died for right, practicing that.
1: Directly. Yeah.
2: Farini. He he died in two thousand and nine at the age of eighteen. So he's not much Older than any of you listening right now, uh, younger than you, father. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he—he's actually—he was just on Wednesday um, made venerable by Pope Francis. So that means his cause of canonization is going forward, and he's getting very close to being made a saint. But. Like, he wasn't anything special in, in you know, our earthly sense. Like, he wasn't a priest. He wasn't religious. He was a regular teenager. He had a girlfriend. He wanted to go into engineering. Um, but he lived his life. He did these practices. He sanctified the ordinary in a way where he wanted to show everything that was happening to others. Um, And I guess I just wanted to give that to you guys as an example that this is not something that, you know, you wait until college to do. This is not something that's out of your reach until you, like, die at 75 or 90 or whatever. This is something that is very much so, if you start training, this is something that's very much so in your grasp now, today, tomorrow, next week. I mean, and again, there will be discouragements. It'll be tough. But this- guy, this kid's eighteen it for um for comparison he's already made venerable, probably what is it like nine eleven eleven years after his death. it took Saint Joan of Arc her canon cause for canonization from like you know death to becoming a saint. it took her over two hundred years, and this kid this millennial a millennial is already made venerable in the eyes of the church
0: yeah, it's so cool
2: yeah so, it's so we'll possible. look
0: into him Matteo Farini 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 Farini, Farini.
2: if any of you were Italian I apologize
0: Leslie <laughs> <laughs> well, so thank you so <laughs> much for coming yes. and yes. talking with us today and inspiring us I'm inspired
2: yes I am too did you, you guys wanna, are great
0: did you want to end with that prayer that you
1: mentioned we can cut oh, that out no, if you we, don't okay we, don't we won't to. end with that prayer okay
0: go <laughs> pray <Thanks> for- <laughs> Okay. We love you all. Have a good and um happy healthy holy weekend. And happy
1: Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. to moms who don't listen to us.
0: <laughs> Actually, there's a couple. Okay, bye. Bye.